everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. We have a guest on today's episode, but I never do this. I'm kind of just like doing a little intro and I have just a few things to say before we get into the interview. So today's interview is super great. Um, It's with Gabby Bayona. She is an incredible business owner. You're going to hear all of her story. It's amazing. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to today's episode. Um, Before we get into it, I wanted to just kind of give you guys a little bit of like a trend update or just how I'm feeling lately about certain like photography trends and just like some creative things. I, I think it's important to kind of be open to, you know, just hearing some fun like suggestions of just new things. And that's what I wanted to do at the beginning of today's episode. So basically I wanted to share with you guys just some things that I've been obsessed with photography wise lately. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you like can tell this by the photos that I post and the photos that I take, but I just wanted to just put it out there and challenge you guys to maybe try something new or try something fun in your photography. So currently I am obsessed with using my flash outside. And I think the reason that I really like doing this is because it mimics like a film photography look. I really like film photography vibes, but I don't love the technicality of using a film camera. I have been trying a lot lately to mimic that look, but on digital so that I still have like the capability of seeing my results like right away and like all of that. So I've been trying to kind of mimic that film look and using the flash outdoors, specifically using it like during the daytime and hitting that flash backlit. So, um, I, I posted these photos from like Joshua tree mm, at this point is like a month ago, maybe, maybe a little longer. And my favorite photos were these photos that were backlit with like all these Joshua trees behind. But like I had Charlie use the flash, like the direct flash. So, you know, it was really pretty backlit. And then like I was lit up too. Um, and I think that creates like a really fun film look. So that's something that I've been obsessed with. And then like, on those photos, I've been using like a little bit more grain than I usually do. Um, grain is something that I feel weird about because I feel like it kind of lessens the quality of my photos, but I kind of like the way it looks. So I have this love hate relationship with grain, but lately I've been feeling the grain a little bit more than usual. So stay tuned about that. Um, something else I've been obsessed with is carrying around like a little small camera for like personal things. So I use the Sony RX. 100, but like the Canon G7 is really popular right now too. It's that same vibe of like just a small little camera and like just getting these fun photos that are pretty good quality, better than your iPhone, but like not as good as like your big camera. Um, That's been really fun. And I've just been experimenting with different styles of documenting my life and you know my small little camera my aperture can't go super low like it goes to like 2.8 sometimes just 3.2 so it really challenges me to creatively think outside the box and not just rely on the setup that I have and you know just really focus on like the photography and like the um, composition of it all instead of focusing like I said on like my settings and stuff Um, so that's been really fun and I've been using it on and off, like I would say since Christmas, I just kind of 
take it with me. Like I'll bring it with me to like my sister's rehearsal dinner. Like I just brought it and did like just a few portraits of them like on it. Like it was so chill or like, um, a bridal shower. Like I did just like a few photos on my small camera instead of like bringing my huge big camera. So I feel like it's a little bit less of a commitment too. It's not like, Oh, pay me to take these photos. It's more just like, you know, it fits in your purse. It's really easy to whip out. Um, it's kind of the same vibe as just having your phone with you, but you know, it's just a little bit better quality. Um, I've been obsessed with direct sun. Don't know what it is. I think actually I do know what it is. I think part of it is like, it makes my skin kind of glow. And I really like that, like that vibe. I feel like it really makes like a really nice glow on your skin and you can really edit it to be such a vibe. And I really like how bright the colors are in direct sun too. So that's kind of something I've been messing around with. Stay tuned. Greenery. I never thought I'd hear the day where I, I would say that I actually like greenery, but I've been digging it lately. Um, I just went and took a bunch of merch photos um, you know, at this point it's been like multiple weeks, but when I, when I did these merch photos, I was like, you know what, I'll try like just taking a few photos in a park, like whatever. Like it's just like a grassy park. Those ended up being my favorite. Like I really liked the contrast of like green with like skin tones and like, yeah, it, it was just really a vibe. So I'm feeling kind of the green vibe. I feel like it's just very earthy and natural feeling. And that's kind of the vibe that I've had lately. Like I'm not so much into like these city photos. It's more just like nature vast. That's kind of the vibe. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that I've been obsessed with is finding the most random things on Amazon <laughs> for photography. And I'm sure you guys have seen my videos. I've been finding just like random things to make photography easier. So I found this SD card and battery case, like it holds your batteries and your SD cards. And I'm obsessed with it. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, it's so cute, so compact. And I'm just like, I love the organization of it. I've been finding like rain gear. I found this cute little umbrella that goes on top of your camera like just a random stuff like that I've been obsessed with lately. Um, I think it's just, for me, it's just getting out of the mundane everyday, like feeling of I, I shoot, I edit, I shoot, I edit. Like that's all I do. Like I'm just trying to spice things up a little bit, honestly. Like that's kind of where I am in photography. Like I, I want the spice. I, I want that little extra something, something. So that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and that's why I'm kind of sharing this little segment of like things I'm obsessed with, because I want you guys to know a lot of this stuff has been pretty new for me, but like, let's work on stretching ourselves outside of our comfort zone. And you never know who you can become when you're just staying in your comfort zone the whole time. So let's stretch ourselves. Let's be uncomfy. And with that being said, let's get into today's guest interview with Gabby Bayona. All right, guys, see you in the interview. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast. I am chatting with Gabby Bayona, and she's just an amazing businesswoman. I'm so excited to hear her story and for you guys to just hear everything that she has done literally in her life. I'm just, yeah, this is going to be great. So Gabby, why don't you go ahead and say hi to everyone and tell everyone who you are and give us just a little bit of an intro. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. My name is Gabby. Um, I'm 30 years old and I run a few businesses in Vancouver, BC. 
Uh, my first business, I started kind of when I was 18, but I would say like the one that I'm known for is probably Truvel that I started in 2013. Um, Truvel is a bridal dress brand. We manufacture everything in Vancouver and we ship worldwide selling to stores in the States. Um, I also have two other bridal dress brands. One's called Loday, which I started in 2016. One's called Aisling, which I started in 2019. And I also have three of my own stores throughout Canada. One in Vancouver, one in Calgary, and one in, sorry, one in Vancouver, one in Calgary, and one in Winnipeg. Uh, I also have a diversity-focused modeling agency that I founded. I was just talking to somebody about this. I think 2017, but maybe 2018. The years honestly go by so quick. <laughs> um, and it started off as a passion project. I just felt a need for more diversity in the industry. And it's since taken off, which I'm really happy to see. Yeah, that's so exciting. And I love, I can almost kind of see like the evolution of everything. You started with Truval, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if we're really going back, I started with, I had a custom dress shop with my mom. So I used to custom make prom dresses and then wedding dresses. And that was in 2010. Okay. But Truval is like fully my own. And that was yeah. Oh, cool. I love it. I would love to hear your story of kind of how it all got started. Kind of just like take me back to when you're working with your mom and all of that and just bring me through, I guess, your business origin story as some like to call it. Awesome. So, um, I mean, going way back, I grew up with a single Filipino mom and in Asian culture, you help your family with whatever they're doing. So I grew up sewing. She was altering wedding dresses. So I would alter wedding dresses from like as long as I can remember. I've been doing this for such a long time in the context of my life. Um, And I just, yeah, helped her. And then when I turned 18, I started helping her more. We opened up a shop together in New Westminster in, sorry, close to Vancouver. And um, I initially was just doing prom dresses. I kind of, I just graduated high school, so it made sense for me. And I, yeah, I helped her with that. And eventually, I guess my aha moment when I realized like, oh, I can do bridal, like I want to do bridal, was when I was making prom dresses and brides started liking my prom dresses as their wedding dresses. And that's when I realized that bridal wasn't this stuffy thing that I had grown up around and that there was so much more ability to break out of that traditional mold. So pretty quickly I pivoted to bridal and pretty quickly after that, I realized that I couldn't grow anymore doing custom because I was physically making everything myself. And I like literally could not make any more dresses than where I had gotten to by the time I was 20. So, um, so then I just threw my stuff on Etsy. Um, I had, I got really lucky with having a photographer who believed in me and she helped me shoot my first collection and yeah, threw my stuff on Etsy pretty quickly, garnered like a pretty good following on Etsy, um, through Etsy, got my first retailer. And then shortly after my 21st birthday, I took the plunge and moved into a live work, like a live work office apartment building and yeah, early days, like it was just me. Early days, I remember I would be like, okay, I need to sell one dress to pay rent. I need another dress to like eat and live. (laughs) And then if I sell a third dress, I can grow my business. So it just kind of was that cycle until eventually I was able to do more and then more and then more. And now I'm where I am today. Wow. That's amazing. So you were actually like designing the dresses, but also making them 
like mm-hmm. you're like sewing and making them, but you're also designing all of them. So you're literally like this three in one person of you just were doing all of it. Yeah. But don't ask me to sew a wedding dress anymore. I haven't done it in forever. <laughs> you don't I mean, need to sew. Figure it out, but I'd be slow and it wouldn't be as good of a quality as the people that are now yeah. making dresses. Wow. That's that's amazing. Okay. So when you're at the point where you were like, okay, I like physically can't make any more dresses. What did you do? Like, how did you find, like you found people to just help you or like, yeah, well, I mean, at first I had like a little 20 year old crisis. Cause I was like, Oh no, I'm turning into my mom. <laughs> this is not what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, when I first started, like I bootstrapped everything. So I was just trying to make all the dresses myself, even when I moved to, to not do custom and I had a collection for Truebell. Um, and yeah, I mean, as it grew, I was really lucky. Like my very first hire was a talented seamstress who I grew up around and she helped me sew everything. Um, she actually still works for me. Her name's Mary. Not that she watched this, but shout out Mary. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I just thought it was just a, a lot of luck and, um, yeah, being willing to work really long hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you, okay. So you said it's a lot of luck, but also like, girl, you are talented. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people like they see talent, you know, and like, it doesn't just like all happen just by chance. Like sometimes you hit things at the right time. You probably hit Etsy at the right time. You know what I'm saying? I hit Etsy at the perfect time. A lot of people, like a lot of bridal designers that are still around to this day came from Etsy. That's amazing. I did not know that. And also Pinterest. I got really, like, I got lucky because a lot of people would pin my early Etsy stuff. And like, I had a few dresses that got really, really big on Pinterest back when Mm -hmm. it was so easy to get big on Pinterest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Walk me through kind of like you starting the other bridal brands. Like what was kind of like your thought process behind, cause you had one, but like, why, why did you start other ones? Mm-hmm. So, um, so something about the bridal, like if you're selling bridal dresses to stores, they expect a certain amount of exclusivity. Like you can't sell to two stores in the same city. And mm-hmm. by the time 2016 rolled around, I realized that I was starting, my growth was starting to slow because I wasn't able to sell to many more locations in predominantly Canada and the States where I mostly sell to. And um, I figured, okay, well, one way I can deal with this exclusivity problem is if I had another brand that isn't Truebell. Um, And while that was happening too, um, like Truebell, if you look at the dresses, they're really flowy and romantic. They're all A-line. And around 2016 dresses started just they started getting a little bit more like fitted and sexy and with what Truebell was it just it wasn't that so um so the idea for low day came from yeah exclusivity I need to figure out how I could sell to more stores and to they're just different dresses like they're sexy they're fitted they're low cut they're low back illusion mm-hmm. here and there like it it does look very different than a Truebell dress Okay. And That's then really I guess cool. the next one. And then Aisling was in 2019 and it was a similar thing. Like Aisling is all minimal crepe satin dresses. And the idea for that brand came because when I opened up my second location in Calgary, I was looking for, I was planning on stalking other designers and I was looking for a minimalist crepe designer. And I just found that everything was just more expensive than what I was wanting to stock my store at. And I was like, I could just do this 
at the price point I'm looking for. So that's how Aisling came to be. Okay. That's amazing. I, I love how you saw a problem, but instead of being like, oh man, like I can't sell to other, you know, I have to be exclusive. Like, I'm just going to stay there. You were willing to kind of like find almost a loophole ish, but you know, you were willing to think outside the box. I think that's a really important business. Just like concept is like being willing to step outside of the box. If something's not working or like you want to just keep growing, sometimes you do have to do something that's a little bit different. And I'm sure it was nerve wracking and really stretching to, I don't know, do something different than what was succeeding, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's really cool. Thanks. And yeah, it was good for the stores too. I mean, they can say they've got three designers, but they're only really working with one sales manager and one system. So it ends up being easier for the stores that have all three designers as well. Right. Yeah, that's so true. Um, And then I want to hear lastly about your agency. So kind of walk me through like when, why you started that, when you felt like, like it, it makes sense because you work with like models and stuff, but just kind of like, yeah, walk me through why you started that. Yeah. (laughs) Unless I explain it, sometimes it's kind of random to people. (laughs) We also have a modeling agency. Um, So with the bridal companies, I have cast models from all over the world. Um, I used to do these really, like, elaborate lookbooks. And after Instagram started getting more of a footing, I just realized that content wasn't lasting as long, and I couldn't afford to be doing these, like, really extra lookbooks. So I started casting more in Vancouver and doing my shoots in Vancouver. But... I realized that Vancouver, like Vancouver was a struggle for me to cast because at the time in particular, like it, a lot of people were really young, which doesn't really work for bridal gowns, really small. Like I needed people with curves and I wanted all different, like a whole plethora of different people and what they look like. So I started Instagram casting, finding friends and started hiring them for some of my shoots. And in Vancouver, I've got a bit of a network of small business owners and people who are in casting. So they started asking me who these models were. And I was like, like recommending people. And then I was like, okay, there's clearly a need. I need it. These people need it. So I, um, so yeah, I just invited a bunch of people who I'd either worked with before or found on Instagram to a casting, had like, we took photos of them, um, with my then ex-boyfriend, who's lovely. Shout out to Brian. Um, And I threw um, all of my, I ended up picking 20 models to start with, made a Squarespace website just by myself and threw it on my Instagram. And within like a week of launching this, I had like Aritzia, Lululemon, Herschel, like sending me emails. So that was, yeah, that was cool to see how fast that ended up coming to be. And the agency was pretty small. Like I ran it by myself for the first few years. And then in 2020, BLM happened and the agency, because we were already diversity focused, it wasn't like we were suddenly having to pivot anything from what we were currently doing. It went from being like probably a more medium sized agency in Vancouver to, I mean, I, I truly believe during that time we were the busiest agency in Vancouver, if not Western Canada. And still to this day, if you type in Vancouver Modeling Agency, we're the first thing that pops up. And okay. lots of reviews and all that stuff. So really proud of that one and yeah. how that's being. That's amazing. I just, yeah, I just love to hear how like you saw a need <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm literally gonna create a solution for it. And, you know, obviously it succeeded. 
that's not always the case, but like, I just think it's such a good mindset to have. Like there's a need I'm going to fill it. And like, cause you're already doing it anyway, you know, like you, mm-hmm. like you said, it was already happening. So love it. Um, okay. So let's jump into some like business questions. I know I was already asking you about your business, but like, <laughs> I want to talk about some of the <laughs> strategies and things. Um, but those were like genuine, like personally, like just questions I had about your businesses. Cause it's just like, so cool. I don't know what, obviously you know this, but the people listening don't know that literally my wedding dress is from Truvel, like your brand. And, um, I think it was Samantha. Samantha. Oh my God. Okay. Samantha's my sales manager. So that's what that dress is named after. So cute. I literally, it's, it's so cute how like your dresses are all named like names and stuff. It's so cute. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I found you on TikTok. I think someone was interviewing you or whatever and I went to your page was like oh my gosh this girl literally did like her uh, like she is the wedding you know my wedding dress and all this different stuff so I'm very interested in your like brands and businesses just like from a personal perspective but I want to talk strategy now let's just talk about some of those things um so my first question um what marketing strategies did you first use when you were first starting all of your businesses Okay, for going like super OG, um, back when I was doing my custom dresses with my mom, I used to have a blog on WordPress. This is like slay. <laughs> OG. <laughs> um, but some early things that really worked. I mean, I used to highlight myself on there. I did this thing where I like wore a different outfit every day for a year. Wow. <laughs> I even like started a little business out of that. Like I would do closet sales and stuff. Oh, um, but for the bridal companies, I um I would document every, like how I would make the dresses and do like an eight part series on my blog. And I would say, um, whoever is the first one to get this dress, the dress will be named after you. So that was a way that we had people like really invested in the dresses and the story. And like when a new dress was made, it got purchased within the first week because people wanted a dress named after them. And that too ended up like when I branched out onto my own, I already had a bit of a following. So I was really fortunate with having clients right off the bat when I first started. So that would be OG. And then after that, I mean, social media has always been pretty big for us, like Pinterest and Etsy was amazing for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Instagram, now TikTok. Yeah. It's definitely very much socials. Like we weren't, I mean, I didn't have very much money when we, I mean, I, sorry, not we, I didn't have very much money when I started. So marketing was like very much bootstrapped. I think we only started paying for ads like a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. It was all organic and social media. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, Honestly, like organic (laughs) and social media, if you don't have to pay for it, like Mm -hmm. good for you. You know, you're still getting sales and stuff. So like, yeah. And it's meaningful following too when somebody like that follow button or interacts with your stuff. Mm -hmm, For sure. I feel like that's like the most powerful thing is like actually having meaningful connections and not just random sales, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Especially okay, in bridal. So, like, it's so much relationship-based. People love a story. That's so true. I actually was going to ask you, like, because you said you have a few stores. And, like, I feel like I was going to ask, like, do you feel like keeping your stores, like, in-person stores has been, like, a good thing? Because I know a lot of stuff is moving online. But, like, I also was thinking, like, relationships is probably huge yeah. for having stores. You need to have stores. Like, selling bridal online, it just – I don't think it – works um and like 
a lot of my retailers try doing online and figuring out how to remotely sell wedding dresses and it just didn't work. Yeah. People need the experience. People want to have their mom cry and their dad cry and like try stuff on. It's so hard to know how something's going to fit unless you put it on. And mm-hmm. it's such a big purchase. Like, yeah. I just feel like having that, yeah, having that moment is part of that big purchase. Like, yeah. You're, yeah. But that's my opinion. I'm sure. No, yeah. Just buying wedding dresses online. Just not like, and also for, I, I'm not an online shopper. So I'm also saying this as probably <laughs> a bit of a bias. Oh, okay. I love online shopping, but. It's, it's like, you can't really tell how something's going to fit. You know, it's a hit or miss. Like it's either 100% or 0% when you online shop, but in person, it's just like, like you said, for bridal, absolutely essential. I kind of feel like for other vendors, as far as weddings go, like photographers, not really essential to meet up in person and stuff like that. Um, but definitely bridals like, Yeah. That's making sense. Okay. Um, my other question for you, what do you think is one thing that contributed the most to your business's success? If you could like pinpoint. Yeah. If I were to say one thing, I think timing, um, like I kind of launched the perfect time. It was right when the internet started showing people that there was more out there. Um, it was right when these new, these new types of stores started popping up with brides that, didn't like their experience, so they opened up their own shops and wanted something different. I think if somebody tried to do what I did now, it would be a lot harder because a lot of these boutiques that I worked with that weren't established at the time are now established, and right. they don't want to take a risk on a new designer like they would or did back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. Timing is really everything. And when we think of like today, I always try to think like, it's hard to know, but like, I try to think what is right now the thing that it's going to be like, oh, I wish I would have got into that a couple months earlier. You know how it was with TikTok and stuff like that. I'm always wondering like, what's the, what's the now thing? Do you have any like (laughs) ideas of like what something would be like now? I mean, TikTok, definitely. I wish I was on TikTok earlier. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Yeah. But besides that, I don't know. I hear people are on YouTube shorts, but I'm not on there. So yeah, I've been hearing that too. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Do you, I am assuming you have like a marketing team or social media team that kind of like, yeah, throws everything up on all the platforms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you like a piece of advice that you would go back and give yourself if you could, when you were kind of first starting everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely tell myself to not be so like strung up on making mistakes. I would definitely like really take it to heart and beat myself up a little bit if I made like a mistake big or small. And what I would tell myself is like, girl, you need to make those mistakes. Like that's going to be what, that's going to be what informs your future decisions and your future reasoning and shape you as a leader. You need to go through all of those things, no matter how hard they may seem at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, so good. What What are some like business lessons that you learned? Oh my God, so many. I mean, like for looking at baseline things, like one thing that I was really bothered about was I just messed up so much on my taxes early on. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I, if I went to school, maybe I would have learned this. And then I was like, wait, if I went to business school, then I would have like lost four years and spent all this money. Like I'm being mm-hmm. hit with like a $200 late fee. Like it's really not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is something that a lot of, this isn't new, but like just focusing on your team and making sure that you have a really good foundational team, especially when you're starting. I got super lucky with that, but, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. just being, 
really good with that. I think another like business lesson that I wish I had learned earlier was just being like having those hard conversations with both yourself and with your team earlier, rather than being like this optimist who thinks that things are going to work out because it'll just save so much like time and, and sadness yeah. <laughs> if you just talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that pop up for now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. I like even the first, what did you say about making mistakes? Like that was, that just hit me like, <laughs> And, and like taxes, like those are all like examples of like mistakes and stuff. But like, I just feel like we're so incredibly hard on ourselves, like because it's like it's your business, like it's your baby. Yeah. Um, so it can feel it's just like, like oh, I should have known better. Like, yeah, oh, this is so dumb. Like, if I just spend an extra five minutes, like all these what ifs, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Just figure it out. Like, yes. Yeah, like you can't be worrying about the what ifs. You need to focus yeah. on like future things and just like learn from it. You know, like it's whatever. Your two hundred dollar tax fine, it's whatever. You paid it. You're good, girl. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to transition to talking a little bit about mindset because I feel like it when you're starting a business, like mindset is just so huge. Um, so what would you say are some of the mindset things that you kind of struggled with when you were first starting your businesses? Um, I definitely had imposter syndrome. I think that would be like a pretty typical thing, not even for a young person, I think for everybody. Um, yeah, just feeling like I wasn't taken seriously and then letting that get to my head and then not feeling like I'm capable. I always like for a really, really long time, I just kept on wishing I had more life experience. I think I only honestly got out of that like a few years ago. And I mean... I started running a business when I was, I started in business when I was 18. So I'm like 12 years in. It like Mm -hmm. took almost 10 years to get out of that. Um, that Yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing. Yeah. When you say life experience, you mean just like literally just like being older. Yeah. No, honestly, everything like, like not feeling like I'm a good enough sewer, not feeling like I'm a good enough designer, not feeling like I'm a good enough boss, not feeling like I constantly not feeling like I'm making the right decision second-guessing myself. I wouldn't let anybody know, but like, I, like I always had those going through my mind. Mm -hmm. And with the imposter syndrome thing, do do you think that actually affected like, like your work and like what you got done or was it just kind of mental and it kind of stayed there? I think it helped. Oh, because I had this imposter syndrome. I was like, okay, I need to like learn as much as I can right now. I need to do as much as I can. I need to prove to myself and to everybody else that I can do this. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that actually, I love that. I love that that happened because a lot of people, it's very like paralyzing, you know, it's like you actually get caught up in that, in that and you like can't move on from it. Yeah. It was mentally exhausting. Like I, yeah, it was really mentally exhausting, but yeah, I, looking back, I think it was a good thing for me at least. Yeah. What are some of the things that have helped you then overcome like the imposter syndrome feeling or like feeling like you don't have enough life experience? Um, I've, I've, I, hmm. so I like don't have a family that can support me. So I like, I kind of just always knew I had no choice and I had to figure it out. Um, so like just knowing like, it's like, Gab, you need to do this no matter what, that definitely helped. I think I also just like how I was brought up helped me be okay with like the workload and like my lifestyle. Um, like this is really typical for Filipinos that move 
my mom moved as a nanny and then had to send money back home. It's really typical for Filipino families to send money back home. She was working like three, four jobs, like a lot of my life. And just seeing her do that, like, it's like, okay, well, I'm not working as hard as she was in like a foreign country, like not having English be her first language. So Mm -hmm. like, I just think I also had that perspective of like, it could be so much worse. Like, just do it. Yeah. 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 That, that's something that like your life experience really helped you like, yeah, really just helped you in that situation. It's, you know, it's like, I have no choice. I'm just going to do it. And yeah. like, it, it's a like, you have determination, like perseverance, like all of those things. Like, it's just like, you have no option. Um, and I honestly think that's, it's a cool thing to experience. I know it's like hard to see your mom have to like go through that. Um, but like it turned you into like an amazing person, you know? So. Yeah. I just gave me perspective mm-hmm. on like how things could be. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really grateful for that. Like eternally grateful. Yes. That's amazing. Um, so what are some like mindset things that like have helped you in your business then? So kind of to switch the question around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the mindset of just figuring it out, that would probably be the biggest one. And other, other mindset things, mm, I think I've always been really good about like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> so I'm just going to do it and I'm going to figure out. And like, I've like I've never been scared to start something without having like the full picture. Like I'm very much a figure it out along the way kind of person. Mm-hmm. So I think that's helped me like start so many things and not be like, needing a full business plan or (laughs) needing all the mentorship or needing all of the like experience, even though I wish I had it, I still like would do it even though I didn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good thought because I feel like a lot of us were like, we just want to know the future. We want to know a step-by-step plan in order to like start something. But that is just very, it's kind of unrealistic. Like I don't think anyone could have step-by-step planned where they are today. That's kind of, that's not how it works. You kind of just have to go and start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, So I guess literally this is just a yes or no question, but (laughs) um, do you think that your like can do attitude helped you get to where you are today? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, now I'm looking at that question. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> but whatever. Um, I did want to talk to you. This wasn't in our outline, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about like your creative process a little bit. Um, where, so like, okay, my first question, do you like still design stuff and is that still part of your like? My roles? Yes. Uh, so the company has a designer now. So okay. grateful. Honestly, like the creative fatigue is real. Like I, when I first started, I had so many ideas <laughs> and then that well just started to run dry. Um, so yeah, really fortunate to have a super talented designer with me. Um, but I am still part of the design team. Like I still, everything still goes through me. So I still approve everything. Um, I definitely have a big say in how things fit. I still am the company's fit model. Um, up until this last fabric market, I was doing all the fabric decisions. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm part of it, but my role I would say is more creative direction than like designer now. Okay, cool. That's, that's really cool that you're able to transition from that, but still like kind of have your hand on the different Mm -hmm. things. I feel like if I was in your position, I would be so afraid of like losing that, like 
I don't know, like I would have a hard time letting go of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get that. I think where it's easy for me to let go of that is I never like, I never really considered myself like this, like designer, designer person. It kind of just, okay, well I can do this. So I'm just going to do it and like make the most of it. But Mm -hmm. it isn't like, like, I think I'm more passionate about running my company than, um, than like designing the wedding dresses themselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you have like sounds like you have like quite a team of people that work with you. What are some just like leadership tips or just like things that have helped you um, run a team and like treat your team well? Like just just kind of talk to me about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm getting lessons constantly. (laughs) I would say like definitely the biggest, there's like some movement happening within my team right now. And I think like one big thing I just learned or not learned, but like it was like reiterated is just like the importance of like really listening and collaboration and making sure everybody's on board with things, making sure you are solution-based and you make sure everybody for the most part is happy with the solution. Not everybody's going to be happy, but like that's where I step in where I'm like, okay, we can't agree. This is what we're going to do. And being decisive with that is also another big thing. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, I'd like say the big things are like collaboration, listening, giving people opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ones that I can, that pop up to my mind right now is being really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really cool. I actually like what you said about being solution based. I like that kind of sticks with me. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> Yeah. It's all about the solutions. That's like, yeah, that's really good. Um, so let's talk about your everyday life slash work life balance. Cause you know, this is always the hot topic. It's like, Gabby, you're so busy. How do you do it all? So like what, talk me through first, like what does your everyday look like? Like work day, personal life, just kind of walk me through it. Um, I mean, my life has shifted this past week. So right now, (laughs) right now it's coming into the studio every day, taking meetings, lots of meetings and just being helpful. Um, Yeah. Like where I end up stepping, like my main, my main roles that I'm going to always have are like, if there's a problem that nobody else can figure out, I will fix it. And anything business growth related is very much like my domain and will be my domain forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But if ever there are any issues or if there's the team being reshuffled or anything like that. I am here to assist and step into any role that I am needed to do um, for that for that time. So, so yeah, right now I'm just stepping into roles and like figuring out how to make everything really efficient. But um, but <laughs> up until like Sunday, um, I actually spent a year traveling, which was always a really big um, goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, is to like work remote and travel the world. I am really passionate about traveling and it makes me it's like one of the things that makes me the happiest so um I think I had a really good life work balance for the past year yeah I don't think I could travel as much like I traveled to like I actually recently counted I was I've been in 15 countries since March of last year girl go to buy oh my gosh I didn't know I was catching you right when you came back yeah (laughs) that's amazing so you were working remote during that whole time or were you kind of working remote, but taking a little bit time off or was it like still full time? I was working remote. I never, so I only turned on my vacation responder like last month because I was on like an, an expedition with literally there was no internet. I was on remote islands. So 
but besides that, I kept my vacation responder on the entire time. So I'm always available. And people know, like, if they need me, they can text me or email me, and I will respond as fast as I can. Um, but I was definitely taking a step back. Okay. Like, I was um, letting my team work on all their own projects and then letting, them, letting me know when they need me. Okay, that's cool. So what are some of the places that you went? Like, just, I don't know, I'm interested to know. Like, <laughs> just in case I want to travel the world for a year, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, probably the, my favorite place that I went. I really loved Romania and Bulgaria. I did a road trip with one of my best friends there. And um, I went to the Philippines for the, I just, I just came back from there. And that was really incredible because I'm Filipino and I feel like it was just a good like way to connect with my culture. But yeah, those are my two favorites. Besides that, Europe is incredible. It's just really easy to like travel around. Um, I spent a whole summer in Paris and that was incredible. Wow. Um, yeah. I can like literally send you like a whole travel thing. If you let me know, you've got my email, like yes. let me know what's going and I can give you any tips. Oh my gosh. So fun. Yes. Literally. I will be like, hi Gabby, I'm going to Paris. Tell me what to do. <laughs> Um, okay. So I want to talk about some of the things that you started outsourcing. Um, so for those listening that kind of like are confused about my question, like outsourcing, like Things that you do that you have someone else eventually like hire and you have them do something for you. Um, so talk me through like how the outsourcing process started and like kind of like, I guess you outsource everything now, but like just kind of like walk me through how it got started. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to do everything. I used to be a one woman show. And I do think that when you are outsourcing, it's important to have a like for me, I think it's actually really important to have a strong grasp on what you're going to be outsourcing so you can make sure that people are aligned with what you're doing or doing things the way you like to do them. And you also have an opinion when somebody says something that they can't do when you know it can be done. For example, the very first thing I outsourced was sewing. And um, I was telling like a very, very experienced seamstress to do things a different way. And she'd be like, no. <laughs> I'd be like, no, well, here, let me show you why it's done this way. And then we can talk about maybe your way is better, but let me sh first show you another way to do it. And we can discuss afterwards, which is the best way to move forward. And that is something I carried with all other aspects of the things I've now, of my roles that I've now given away to other people. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as you said, like I, a lot of my role is now outsourced besides like any sort of new business development and besides like putting out the big fires that the company may have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you mentioned that one of your roles is like business growth, which I think is so fun. Like imagine just like focusing just on business growth. Like I'm talking to it's myself. It's my favorite. It's like, uh. okay. So you mentioned business growth is one of your roles, um, which is so fun and exciting. Um, just kind of walk me through like what it's like to sit down and think about growth in your business. Like what are some of the strategies that you have and ideas that you have for growth in your business? Yeah. So I feel like the ideas just come naturally. Like I've got a lot of random things that I want to do. Um, when it comes to what actually ends up getting done, um, it's definitely a team discussion because I don't do like, I'll come up with the ideas, but the execution nowadays is definitely not call me. So I need to make sure people are on board, change things as needed, and then figure out a way forward. Um, yeah. And yeah, and just constantly make like reevaluating what works, what, what doesn't work, what makes sense, what we have money to do as well. Um, mm -hmm. I have a, like a contract CFO now, so they let me know if I can afford to do these ideas. <laughs> 
it's good to keep you in check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, I actually like want to slow down a little bit. Like I had, I'm really grateful. I had lots of growth for the first 10 years of my business. And now I'm just really keen on like making sure my, my things are solidified and things are running smoothly. The team's supported. The foundation's strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's going back to the basics and back to like the value of your business, but it's a really good thing to just make sure it's in check. And like, sometimes you get to a point where it's like, do I need to keep growing or like, should I just like chill and like let things flow as they are? Yeah. I mean, there are two sides to that, right? Like I do, I like the idea of just keeping things as they are because obviously that's easier for me, but I need to offer my team growth opportunities and for me to be able to retain them. And if I'm not retaining my team, that at the end of the day is going to be more work because then I lose somebody really incredible. Mm-hmm. So I do need to keep growing and yes. figuring out a way to do that. Yeah. But I just don't want to be as aggressive as I have, gotcha. as I have been the past, the past little while. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Obviously, I don't run like a business with tons and tons of people. So like that is definitely smart. Keep them around. And yeah, if you, it shows that you care about your people too. Like that's something that I can definitely tell and something that like from this interview I've learned is just like I can tell you care about the people that work for you. Um, yeah, which is so, so important at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, yeah, I definitely try my I try my best. Like I'm not perfect, but right. I've always tried my best. Cool. Um, well, I think that's literally all I have for today's interview, but I would love for you to tell any, anyone listening, if you have any fun, like exciting projects coming up, passion projects, whatever, um, just what's new with what you have going on. Um, well, the new thing we're working on, we're relocating our Calgary store. So I'm really excited about that. Doing like redesigns of stores is really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Besides that, um, we're looking at maybe, well, we're launching some new accessories, which I'm really excited about. We're actually shooting our lookbook also like in a week and a half. Okay. So I'm really excited about that. Yes. Not that. I'm just excited to spend summer in Vancouver and like bike around a lot, like that on a personal <laughs> aspect. <laughs> Girl, I love biking too. It's so fun. Yeah. Fun. Well, that's very exciting. Um, and lastly, where can everyone find and follow you on social media? Because that's how I found you. So just okay. share with everyone. Um, so my Instagram is Gabby Bayona, G-A-B-Y-B-A-Y-O-N-A. And through that bio, you can see all of my business, my business handles. Mm-hmm. And then on TikTok, I'm Gabby.Bayona. Okay, I don't awesome. know who's got the Gabby Bayona yeah yeah (laughs) I will have your socials linked in the bio of this episode too so everyone can go find and follow you um I love that your bio has all your businesses because I literally went and like went to your Instagram before this and like went and looked at all of your businesses which was so fun so it's Mm -hmm. a great thing to have (laughs) thank you yes cool well thanks so much for coming on today's episode Gabby it was so great meeting you and I hope everyone listening has a great rest of their day Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment uh, to keep my sanity And the wisdom rushing in So much clearer now 
Probably the highlights and the shadows is my composure All the layers above, all the edits and tweaks, I know her I am so done, need more time developing in my red room It doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain Or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand I'm taking it doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand Whatever the moment, wherever we stand I'm taking you, taking you, taking you Getting a little bit higher With different step I think I'm getting good Getting a little bit better I'm climbing to the top Never gonna stop We're gonna stop finding good old shoes. 